This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Last month, Opera Australia took a music critic for the Sydney Morning Herald off its press ticket list after the company's artistic director was reportedly very offended by a piece on the newspaper's arts website. And on Friday, the Opera House took another well-respected critic for the publication Stage Noise off its ticket list for the same reason. This raises questions about the relationship between critics and the organizations they cover, and the whole practice of complimentary press tickets, usually in prime locations, that are given to reviewers covering a performance. Joining us to look more closely at this practice is Kelly McBride, Vice President for Academic Programs at the Pointer Institute and co-editor of the new book, The New Ethics of Journalism. It's fairly well known that lots of performing arts organizations give free tickets to critics who then turn around and write their opinions of the performances. These are not typically folks like political reporters who you expect to be objective. So does the practice of press tickets raise red flags? Well, in an ideal world, I think journalism organizations would pay for their own tickets all the time. But we do not live in an ideal world. There is a corrective factor here, and that is that even though the stakes aren't as high as political journalism, where the audience expects neutrality, the audience does still expect for the journalists who critique plays and theater and even movies and even restaurants, they expect those journalists to put their loyalties with the audience. And if those journalists don't do that, and it becomes apparent to the audience, they'll lose credibility. And so there is this there is this force that drives the journalists to be objective, even though it's not as strong as as neutrality in political journalism. But don't you think that most critics are objective? Some of them, I can, you know, thinking of John Simon, who was notorious for writing scathing reviews. There are plenty of negative reviews out there of performances for which somebody got free press tickets. Sure, absolutely. Most critics are objective. But there's a whole range of criticism. And and I think that when you get more toward like the travel end of criticism, where somebody might be visiting a hotel or visiting a theme park or something like that, I actually think that that's probably where you find a little more bias because of the freebie that was given to the journalist. Um, with, with restaurants and, and theater, um, I, I think most of those journalists are very honest, even to the point of being harsh, because that's what they get paid to do. And, you know, there is the old cliche, um, no news is bad news. And so even a bad critique is usually better for the theater than no critique. And so that's why they give it away. The same is true of the hotel in Orlando that invites a reporter to spend a week there. Um, They would like some good press, but even if they get bad press, it's better than nothing. There's nothing, though, I, I don't think there's anything unethical about the theater revoking the tickets. It's small-minded, it's petty, but there's not a quid pro quo here. And so if they don't like what they see and they feel like they're not going to achieve what they're hoping to achieve, then they're well within their rights to say, okay, we're not going to give you free tickets. And then the news organization just has to buy tickets, right? They have to go see the show on their own dime, which is really gets us closer to the ideal anyway. 
Well, the New York Times has been known for being very scrupulous about not accepting freebies, but a lot of newsrooms these days are facing very tight budgets. You mentioned an ideal world, which we are no longer living in in the world of news. And so when you're facing a tight budget, they say either free tickets or no reviews. Do we need to take economics into consideration? Sure, absolutely, because because economics drives everything. I mean, if I was an editor of an organization, of a news organization, I certainly would not expect that I would have unlimited resources. And even if I had a lot of resources, um, you have to be judicious about how you spend those resources. Buying a season pass to the theater probably means you can't send a reporter on an investigative trip. That's a hard balance to make, and and I'm glad I don't have to make it. So I don't, I'm not overly harsh and critical of the news organizations that do accept free tickets. Um, You know, we do it in sports, too, all the time. I just ask that they be transparent and let their audience know that, hey, you know, we get these tickets for free, and here's the standards that we put in place to ensure that your needs, Mr. in the audience, are met by us, not the theater's needs. Do you think there should be some kind of disclosure in the articles that reviewers and critics write? I got free tickets to write this review or to write this article? Sure. And and I don't think it has to be like this major thing. Um, it can simply be a tagline at the end. You know, we saw this play on a press pass. Now, what about all the free CDs that are sent to critics for review? You know, that's even more problematic because there's there's actual value that can be obtained by those. Um, most of the time, most journalism organizations will allow the critic to keep the CD if it's under a certain amount of value. Um, if it's over a certain value, 50 bucks, 100 bucks are the thresholds that I usually hear about. They often put it into a like a garage sale or a company sale, they sell it off and then the profits go to some sort of organization. Sometimes it's a scholarship organization for the news organization, for the employees' kids. So it's not like it's completely clean and simple. Um, But most news organizations have some sort of policy to try and prevent the classic conflict of interest that we're talking about here. Do you see that the level of discourse and also the kind of things that are being written up has changed because of the internet, because there are now so many more people out there, A, writing, and B, wanting to be on the tickets list? Yeah, and it's a huge problem because, like, it's not just music and entertainment. It's technology stuff. You know, there are bloggers, um, there are people in the gaming journalism industry that get really expensive things, you know, entire video game consoles for free. Um, the, um, the FTC has actually stepped in and said, you know, if you're reviewing a product and you got it for free, you have to disclose that you got this for free. Um, so even if it's like on your Facebook page, I mean, I even notice um, I'm, I'm in a bunch of running circles on Facebook and there's all these women who run who have small children and they get free products from companies because they have a large Facebook following. So they might get like a free baby stroller and the company just wants them to promote the baby stroller among their Facebook followers. Um, and they're supposed to they're supposed to reveal according to the law, that they got this for free. Now, the FTC isn't going to crack down on an 
individual. They're usually going to crack down on a, on a system that's set up to deceive consumers. But it's getting more and more problematic because we don't even know who a journalist is anymore. We don't know who should abide by some sort of disclosure standards. I should mention that this problem did not just occur in Australia. Right here in New York last month, Wall Street Journal critic and culture writer Joanne Kaufman wrote a piece called Confessions of a Broadway Bolter, in which she sort of bragged about all the shows that she had left at intermission. And that led at least one press agent to take her off that company's press list. Do you think these taking people off the press list things are justified or in some cases petty? You know, in that case, I can see, um, you know, that's a seat right down in the front. And when it's empty in the second half of the show, that looks bad. I can see a press agent saying, gosh, I don't want to give someone a ticket who's going to leave that seat empty. And then write about it afterwards. Well, and then writing about it afterwards is sort of like rubbing your rubbing your thumb in the guy's eye. You know, I, th- I think there's two sides to that story. You know, she got the ticket for free, and then she and then she didn't stay and watch the whole show. It's hard to give a fair review to a show if you didn't watch it all the way through. And then if you're not going to actually review it, you've got to wonder why are you taking the free ticket in the Opera Australia case. They say they decided not to aid the enemy. From a purely PR standpoint, do you think this could backfire against Opera Australia? Have they kind of put a target on their backs now? Oh, totally. Yes. I mean, they may be reading their own operas too much if they think the world is, is black and white and there are enemies and friends and that everybody falls neatly into this category. Um, and they're, they're probably going to bring a fair amount of ridicule um, and, and the thing is, is like, this is the age of the internet, right? And so people can make fun of you in all sorts of creative ways. And they, they have probably exacerbated their situation. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Kelly McBride is vice president for academic programs at the Pointer Institute. She is also co-editor of the new book, The New Ethics of Journalism. The sometimes tricky relationship between arts organizations and the media recently came to light in another case. In November, Colorado Public Radio announced that it would no longer air broadcasts of the Colorado Symphony, ending a 15-year partnership. The key sticking point, among others, was editorial. The symphony wanted a lot more positive coverage on the radio. Ray Rinaldi is the fine arts critic of the Denver Post. He's been covering this, and he joins us on the line. Before we get to the symphony versus the radio, in the wake of the brouhaha at Opera Australia, we just spoke to ethicist Kelly McBride on the subject of free press tickets. Do critics in Denver get free tickets? And do you think people have any trouble being objective when they write about something they've gotten free tickets to? Yeah, we do take a free ticket when we review a concert or a play. I mean, that's really just basic economics. We review so many things, hundreds of plays and concerts each year, that we couldn't possibly afford to buy tickets for all of it. So, you know, it's just the only way that it's going to work for everybody. And, no, I can tell you, at least from personal experience, that no one feels an obligation to review things positively. And I think you could talk to a couple of theaters and opera companies here 
who would back me up on that because they haven't always <laughs> been happy with what I've written. Okay. So the last time we spoke, it was about a proposed series of marijuana-themed concerts at the Colorado Symphony, but now it sounds like things aren't so mellow at the symphony. What was the main reason that the orchestra and Colorado Public Radio parted ways? Um, well, basically, the orchestra wanted the radio station to uh, collude with it in turning the live broadcasts of the concerts into marketing for the symphony. They wanted the radio station to guarantee they would promote ticket sales by giving out the website and the box office anytime they played the orchestra's music or promoted the broadcast themselves or interviewed one of the musicians who was in town to play with the orchestra. And, of course, the radio station refused. They didn't want to uh, appear to be sort of promoting the symphony. I mean, they were happy to be a neutral party in bringing the concerts to the community, but they didn't want to appear to be doing sort of marketing you know, in favor of one organization over the other. And the symphony also wanted the radio station to employ music critics who would sort of plug the orchestra? Yeah, they did. The radio station here has been sort of beefing up its art staff, and, and it actually hired two art reporters last year. What the orchestra was hoping was that they would send someone to the concert, review it, and then broadcast that review the very first thing the next morning so that people could hear the review and then get interested in buying tickets. And what if the review was not a good review, or did it have to be? No, you know, it could have been either way. You know, the way it goes is that most reviews of orchestras, they tend to be positive. Orchestras are so good these days that the flaws are few. So most reviews tend to, to be sort of either very positive or at least very sort of explanatory in, in tone. You know, any publicity is good publicity. I think that's how they were thinking. And what did the radio station say when they were confronted with this, we want you to do this and we want you to do that? Well, they politely explained the ethics of media as it relates to arts organizations in the community. They weren't at all interested in, in doing that. Now, another demand that the Colorado Symphony made was to and I'm quoting here, have the right to co-create and approve all content used to promote recordings of its music. What did they mean by that? Well, they wanted guarantees from the radio station that they would phrase things in a certain way or present things in a certain way that encouraged people to buy tickets. I mean, here, here's the orchestra's position, right? They have this content, these concerts that they make, and they watched seven or 8,000 people you know, every, at every broadcast getting this content for free. So they need money these days. They're looking to leverage everything they had. So they thought, well, maybe we could leverage this free content we're giving, you know, in exchange for getting some marketing from the radio station. Don't the musicians get some kind of broadcast fee when their concerts are presented? Or does that just go to the musicians and not to the symphony, and that was the beef? Yeah, exactly. Um, the orchestra wasn't really getting anything out of it other than, you know, it's great that these concerts were being broadcast because thousands of people were listening to them. And, you know, one assumes that the people were, you know, older or housebound or economically disadvantaged or maybe disinclined to go to the concert hall because of the customs of classical music. I mean, it's really unfortunate that these people won't be getting, you know, music beamed into their living rooms anymore. Well, the symphony says it's now looking into distributing its concerts over the Internet, but are they probably not going to lose those very people that you're talking about? Because not everybody's internet savvy, and there are some people who just like to turn on the radio. Absolutely. I mean, radio is the medium that was around when a lot of these classical music fans started listening to music. They're older, 
and they tend to be less savvy with the Internet. So it seems clear that the Colorado Symphony did not understand that there is a firewall between programming and underwriting in public radio because the symphony reportedly buys a considerable amount of underwriting on the station. Yeah, well, I mean, they maintain it was a separate issue. But I think when you spend $50,000 a year in underwriting, you think that it gives you clout in other areas when it comes to public radio. And I think it's good for everybody to learn that it, it, it didn't in this case. Any chance you think there's ever going to be a meeting of the minds again and the symphony might creep back onto the radio? I think the symphony will boldly experiment with broadcasting its own music over the Internet, and I think it will see how that works. And I think if it doesn't work, we could have a meeting of the minds. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Ray Rinaldi is the fine arts critic of the Denver Post. You can read his article about the situation with the Colorado Symphony and Colorado Public Radio on our website, wqxr.org. Brian Wise is the producer of Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.